I almost wish I hadn't gone down that rabbit hole. And yet, it's rather curious, you know, this sort of life. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, this is Modern Escapism. Welcome to the show. My name is Candy Machine. Joining me today, he's been doom scrolling Reddit for so long he can be aged by the number of toilet rings permanently etched on his ass. It's Gadget. How did you know I was on Reddit before I joined the poll? Rude. Mm, just know these things. Yeah. His tenacious pursuit of knowledge has led him to the belief that Stonehenge was actually a huge team building exercise designed by medieval HR. It's Biggie. <laughs> yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Oodles and Stig won't be joining us this evening. They took the blue pill. And by that, I don't mean the one that Morpheus offered Neo. I mean, they were involved in a Viagra overdosing scandal. It's, it's quite serious, actually. Yeah, the Daily Mail's all over it. Oh, got stuck in their throats. They've got a stiff neck. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> <God. laughs> that joke. We. Oui. On this episode, we'll be discussing what we've been up to this week in the Nexus, followed by this evening's main topic is chosen by our patrons, The Rabbit Hole, where we talk about those little nuggets of information that sent us spiralling into a whole new world of knowledge. Then we're off to the green room with our patrons to chat shit for half an hour or so and put the worlds to rights, basically. But before all that, I'm craving more information about what's been happening in the news this week. It's Biggie's Breaking News. You may already know. But he doesn't, because it's time for Biggie's Breaking News. Hit me, you can't hurt me. Suck my news. Kiss me, please pervert me. Stick with this. Is Biggie talking dirty? Give to me sweet sick reviews. Your mouth was made to suck my news. Oh no, oh no. Oh no. I want to gobble it down. Oh, no! Went there. Overwatch 2. The PvE hero mode has been scrapped. When the sequel was announced in BlitzCon 2019, lots of people were looking forward to this that would allow players to gather their squads and play through the uh, narrative multiplayer experience. Uh, On top of that, each of the heroes would come to know and love would have been reworked for PvE and given progression systems that would allow players to unlock new talents. Blizzard has now confirmed that the promised PvE hero component will not be released at all. In a video, game director Aaron Keller and executive producer Jared uh, Neuse said that the uh, team had made the decision to take the PvE elements of Overwatch 2 in a different direction and detailed a roadmap for upcoming seasons that reveal new hero maps, blah, 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 blah. Lots of people upset. Oh, quite rightly so. Like, one of the big selling points for Overwatch 2 was the PvE, uh, PvE multiplayer campaign mode. And yeah, people are rightly pissed off about this. And the daft thing is, so Overwatch went for about three years with no updates when they were working on Overwatch 2. So the game started to die. And then it kind of then they released Overwatch 2 multiplayer as free to play, where it's like you pay instead of like earning legendary skins, you now pay 20 quid for them or some shit like that. And it it was on the promise of, oh, the PV's gonna come next year or whatever. And now they've dropped this. And it basically, they've had three years of new updates for Overwatch 1. 
They've basically made Overwatch 2 the same game, just with more money to be spent in it. And that's it. Hang on a minute. Are you trying to tell me that Blizzard are the baddies? Uh, I don't want to alarm you, Candy, but I think they might be. <laughs> no, <laughs> no not way. <laughs> no. Breaking news, guys. <laughs> Cancelling your Diablo 4 pre-order. My God. Next. I mean, I played Overwatch when it first came out and quite enjoyed it. But Overwatch was great. I loved it. My mates had picked it up at the time, and then just uh, I sort of dropped off it quite quickly. It wasn't enough blood and guts for me, but it was quite fun <laughs> from what I liked of it. Yeah, oh, I put hundreds of hours into it when it came out. Like 2016, 2017 was all about Overwatch for me. Mm. I loved it, and then it just they just stopped adding to it. Mm. It had a few following. It had some dodgy fan art, from what I remember. But um, yeah, I think I think it was quite a popular from, game, wasn't it? But sorry, it sorry, Biggie, to... from 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 what you remember. <laughs> What? <laughs> that was just no, a very not... suspicious way of. Uh, no, uh, I, just I heard on the, the grapevine the... it had some dodgy I... fan. I wasn't looking myself, but in the news before I did the news, that's what people were saying. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh... If, 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 if you if you want if you want to talk about informational rabbit holes, the um, the wealth of Overwatch porn that came out actually advanced animation techniques and stuff like Blender uh, by like years rapidly because oh, someone well. someone created all the models and the rigging and put and made them available for free in blender and people just went fucking nuts with it frigging in the rigging way <laughs> good old internet yes uh, they've dropped the ball on this really haven't they because it was such a oh, absolutely popular game and yeah I think people were a bit miffed about the announcement about what overwatch 2 was going to be like so they got rid of overwatch didn't they they basically just said yeah. that's gone now you have to have this and it, and it's also like like I haven't signed into Battle.net in what three or three or four years now. Um, all my progress in the first Overwatch will be gone now. So if I log in to play Overwatch two, I won't have any of the skins that I earned or bought from loot boxes in like pants, the original game. Yeah, you just you start fresh with Overwatch two. Like there was like a window to do it, and I just couldn't be asked to do it. Mm. Next. <laughs> So, did you say next then? I did. <laughs> Mortal Kombat 1 has its trailer out. This is weird, isn't it? They've just revamped it and called it 1 now. Uh, but apparently, it's a reboot of sorts. Uh, it's taking place in the Reborn universe and features Fire God Liu Kang. It's a proper gory trailer. It starts off very slowly and then you get all your gore. Um, and then Amazon Italy has inadvertently uh, released leaks. To um, one of the DLCs, which um, has, I'll run out some names here, but I don't recognize all of them Quan Chi, Omni Man, Ermac, Takeda, and Peacemaker, and Homelander would all be added as playable characters. That'd be quite cool. I mean, judging by how bloody the trailer was, I can see Homelander being in there, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm tempted just for that. And Omni Man as well. Like, I'm invincible, right? Yeah. I'm fine with gory games, but I don't know. Like I watched that trailer and I was a bit icked by it. Like it seems it's gotten to such levels of realism. I'm just like, oh no, I don't actually want to see uh, Raiden doing a downward thrusting punch through somebody. Mm, that always has been the selling point. I mean, it's it's the combat's fine, but there's other games that do it just as well. It has always been the uh, the level of grotesqueness. I think. Yeah. I mean, well, they did go mad with was it three or whatever it was with Babality and all that weird <laughs> stuff. That... <laughs> the nineties man, there was a lot of cocaine. 
Oh, yeah. I've also never actually successfully done a finishing move either. There's just way too much to remember. Oh, absolutely. You would have some sort of uh, piece of paper next to you with all the stuff written, all the moves. You just go, finish it, and I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, unless you're playing the same character, because it's, it's a different finishing move for every character as well, isn't it? It's not like yeah. the same combination of buttons. Yeah. No. I, my finishing move is just a jab to the nose. A bop. <laughs> little bop. Finish him. And I, <laughs> next uh, by the time you hear this pod uh, PlayStation Showcase would have happened on Wednesday next week uh, be interesting to see what they're revealing this time because this rumour mill has gone mad but there's no confirmation of what will or will not make an appearance yeah the rumour mill's gone mad for this one and then I think the Xbox one for June's leaked or at least a, a suspic- suspicion of a slide deck is released mm. With the, with, the, with, the, with the rumors abound of Fallout New Vegas 2, which has instantly kind of made areas of my clothing a little bit tighter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in terms of that, I find that maybe hard to believe. I, I, would, I would bet any money that there'll be information on the Fallout TV show and also there will be some kind of update for Fallout. But I think Fallout New Vegas 2 is a bit of a stretch. If... If Fallout, if New Vegas 2 does happen, it won't be by Bethesda. No, it'll be by it'll Obsidian be again. I'm not sure that it will even be by Obsidian because they seem to have so much on the plate. I think it could be a different studio entirely. So I, if that is the case and it's a new, a new, well, not a new studio made specifically to make it, but a separate studio again, I don't know how excited we can get for it because it was Obsidian that made it what it was. So, you, can, you know, they can't rely just on New Vegas 2. Is the name? That's oh, what they know. did I with think... Fallout seventy six. They relied on the Fallout name and outsourced it to a to a studio that then became uh, Bethesda. Is it Bethesda Austin? Bethesda Texas? Something anyway, like that. that was it. Was it, it became it, they'd started making a game, and then Bethesda bought it, and that became Bethesda. And then what the game that they were making became Fallout seventy six. And look what happened. Indeed. So it even if it is. Yeah, so even if New Vegas 2, the rumour is true, I would hold off getting too excited just yet. Now, now respectfully, no, I will get as excited as required. <laughs> this Fair is for, for that New Vegas is categorically the best one. The name yeah. needs a win, though, doesn't it? you got the up-and-coming TV show, like you say, but there hasn't been much further news about that. So, yeah, I, I want to see another Fallout game. Well, unknown Bethesda, if, if, if they are doing a Fallout New Vegas 2, they'll try to rush it out so it lands at the same time as the TV show and it'll be mm. fucking hobbled. Yeah, that's my concern. We're getting more well, from though. a normal release. <laughs> well, re- remember, Fallout New Vegas was utterly hobbled because they gave Obsidian 18 months to make a massive open world game. And by some miracle, they, they achieved it. it, more or less. Yeah, it was broken on launch, <laughs> it though. It was broken. And if you want to play it now on a modern PC, you have to patch the shit out of it. But yeah, <laughs> still good though. But yeah, more more Starfield news. So that's um, it's it's actually got its own. It's separate, isn't it? The Starfield showcase. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. The Starfield things after after afterwards. Yeah. Oh, they need a win. Star, Ci- Star Citizen will be out before uh, Starfield. Sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right next. Thank you. Uh, the TV series Archer will end after 14 seasons. I can't believe it went on for that long. Me neither. I thought it was like three seasons and that was it. No, no. It went very weird, even by its own standards. 
like the had a like Archer got shot, so then he was in a coma. Then so they did a series where he was in like in a noir detective in the fifties, and then up in space or an Indiana Jones kind of tropical hero kind of thing. And yeah, it got. I like the Fast weird. and Furious series then. No, but yeah, um, I, I'm surprised they kept it. I mean, kept it going after Jessica Walters died. Uh, I would have thought that might have been what ended it, but this will be like the second series since she, without her. It's a shame. She's very good as Mallory. It's one, it's just one that I just never got into. I tried. It just didn't hit. Like it's, it was Adult Swim, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. I find Adult Swim shows so hit or miss. There's sort of no in between, and it just wasn't. I know it's universally loved, pretty much, but it was a miss for me. I liked, I liked it. it. It was just fast paced, a bit too fast paced. The, the, the jokes and everything just went really fast. Oh, no, that's what I loved happened. about it. I liked, it. I liked it up to the science fiction series. When they did that one, like Archer in Space, it just, that one just didn't hit for me. So I just kind of stopped there. But that was like mm. season nine or something like that. So I, I got a good way through it. Uh, Al Pacino, Viggo Mortensen, John Travolta, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Rebecca Pigeon, and Courtney Love. <laughs> are all set to star in uh, the thriller Assassination. The film, uh, which is launching for the Cairns, is directed by uh, David Mamet, or Mamet, or however you pronounce that, uh, from a script he co-wrote um, with Nicholas Chelosi. My God. Uh, Assassination will retell the fateful murder of JFK from the mob's point of view, reimagining his death as a hit ordered by the Chicago mob kingpin Sam Giacana as payback for JFK's attempt to undermine the mob after they helped get him elected, allegedly. I mean, could you get a more problematic cast? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the exception of Viggo. Viggo was a good boy. Yeah. So far. So far. Do you know what, though? Actually, but, I don't mind Courtney Love as an actress, although she tends to just play herself. Like, if you ever saw The People versus Larry Flint, she was very good in that, playing Courtney Love. Yeah, I was going to say she was, but she, she, she does not have range. The same way with the, with Hull, she does not have range. No, quite <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if we need another JFK movie at this point. As you know, I love the, uh, the main JFK from Oliver Stone. I think that yeah. uh, is enough. It's, um, it's... Wasn't the whole thing, though, with the, the original JFK film that they actually disproved the mob having anything to do with JFK's murder? And it was so like this reimagining it as a hit ordered by the Chicago mob. It's like, is that going to rewrite history? Like, are they fictionalizing? Well, they are fictionalized, but is it going to be presented in a fictionalized way? Or are they going to try and mm. do it as like a docudrama mm. thing? Because I think, like, for all it's a four hour long film, Oliver Stone's JFK is pretty perfect as a film, as like, like a retelling of the story and yeah. what happened. It's almost a documentary, you know? Yeah. That's it. I think you have to be a bit careful with history when you are dramatizing things because, unfortunately, movies and entertainment are the only way that people actually get information. And if you dramatize it too much, people will be inclined to believe that that's the truth. You know that that's fact, the fact of what actually happened, without doing any other research. Yeah, I, 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 I wait to be convinced on this one. Mm. I'm the same. Mm. Next. Another reboot, Hellboy the Crooked Man has finished filming. The reboot to the Dark Horse comic hero has now gone full horror on this one, apparently. Uh, Jack Kessie from 12 Strong is taking on the uh, titular role. 
with Brian Taylor, um, who <laughs> directed Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance, is in the director's chair. Oh, so, it's uh, dead on yeah. arrival, isn't oh, it? Oh, dear. Yeah, we'll have to see. But uh, Mike, is it Mike Miller? Um, Mike Mignola? Mignola, yeah. Um, he uh, wrote the original Hellboy. He actually has had stuff sent to him from the sets and stuff. And he's actually quite looking forward to this. Um, he feels like they've got it pretty much on point from the source material. So well, I guess we'll have to see. Mm, he was... would say that, wouldn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, he would. But I think it's interesting that he's fully behind it. Though. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Jack Kessie's um, uh, filmography. He's not been a leading man in anything before, apart from what looks like a really crappy sci-fi horror film. Dark Web Cicada 3301. He was, the lead, he was the lead in that, but that sounds like something I'd watch. It does actually now. Oh, rabbit hole time. So in the reception bit on Wikipedia, the quotes that it comes from are from Film Threat and Common Sense Media. <laughs> uh, Industry renowned. Yeah. Arrested by the NSA for his involvement with the secretive organization Cicada Thirty Three Hundred One. Hacker Connor testifies in front of the U.S. Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court about the events that transpired. Oh God! Oh, it's a techno thriller as well. Ooh, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what? For all the hate that it got, I didn't think the David Harbour one was that bad. It, I haven't seen it yet. It had moments. The troll fight was fucking brilliant. I loved that. I quite I liked Harbour as uh, Hellboy as well. I liked Harbour's Hellboy. I liked um, uh, shit. Uh, Ian McShane as um. Dad, mm. I forget characters' names, but um, yeah, I liked it. The special effects were good. It just Mila Jovovich as the baddie was terrible, and the plot kind of didn't go anywhere. And people just didn't get to see the end of the uh, Guillermo del Toro saga. I think people were hoping for a third one of that rather than getting something new. Mm. Yeah, Ron Ron Perlman's perfect as Hellboy. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and yeah he was he... not happy about the situation either. Like he was very vocal mm. about being displeased with it. And you should never upset Ron Perlman. Absolutely not. He was born to play that part, he was. Mm. Next. Speaking of dodgy parts, uh, Eddie Murphy is in talks for a new Pink Panther movie. No! That's that's what we've been asking for. Sonic the Hedgehog filmmaker Jeff Fowler is directing from a script by Chris Bremner, who wrote Bad Boys for Life. No! Uh, This new... This new take on the Pink Panther format would utilise a blend of live action and CG to see Cluzo teaming up with the Panther for the first time. No! <laughs> no! It, yes. The Pink Panther Panther's is a jewel, not an actual panther! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, the cartoon was banging, though. I used to love the Pink Panther cartoon. Yeah. Oh, well, the Pink Panther, the rinky-ding panther. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, the cartoon was banging. No, I'd but this... Drugs. Yeah, this no... Do you remember the credit sequence for the Pink Panther cartoon where it was that kid with the overly complicated car drives them away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking weird. That, But no, no, this does not need to happen. We do not need to see Eddie Murphy as Inspector Clouseau. Imagine I mean, the Peter fucking Sellers, accent he's going to put on. Oh, God. <laughs> Peter Sellers, you can't top that. I mean, even Steve Martin trying, he can do it. Oh, no. I mean, the Steve Martin uh, Clouseau wasn't bad. But the film was bad. Like, him as Clouseau was fine. Oh, nah. Nah, 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 Next. Uh, Marvel Studios has apparently offered the role of Ben Grimm, famously known as The Thing, to the talented and acclaimed actor and rapper David Diggs. 
this is for the up-and-coming Fantastic Four reboot that Oodles is obviously looking forward to. Uh, yeah, it's a slow mover, that one. That movie's still not out until 2025, apparently. It's going to get pushed back even further, isn't it? One, because of the right to strike, so, and, yeah. two, and two, because of Jonathan Majors being a cunt. Mm. I think the whole yeah. Marvel slate had to be pushed back because they're having to rewrite the baddie, because I think Kang was going to be the big bad, wasn't he? He was def- I didn't realise that they'd actually taken steps to rewrite him because I think they were on the fence for a while, weren't they? But the thing is, I mean, he's a variant, isn't he? Because they, they could just change his appearance, surely. I think they probably. I think they would probably want to actually just re- redo something. Just bury him. Yeah. Like, you've had your Kang film, let's leave it. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Next. And spe- speaking of leaving... The expensive and immersive Star Wars Hotel at Walt Disney World in Florida is closing after just one year uh, of taking guests on a two-night voyage that could cost up to $20,000. I think that's probably why it wasn't a success. Yeah. Yeah, they were just catering to the super rich. I can't help but feel slightly smug about this. But the thing is, I mean, why shut down? Like, I think it's been said on the Discord that it wasn't really... You're, it's not like you just go there and sleep. It's a whole interactive experience the entire yeah. time you're there. But the actual, like, the rooms themselves are fucking horrible. It's like bunk beds. I think, and, I, I think as well, it's like, it's like the, the windows are like TV screens. Like, if I were yeah. in there, I, would, I wouldn't be looking at the screen going, oh, look at space. I would be very aware that I'm in a cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like exactly. a cruise ship. I've woken up to a few Wookiees in my time. Hey. <laughs> And like when you do this, the lightsaber building, you actually have to have to buy your lightsaber. It's like not included in the price, and and they cost hundreds as well. Those official oh, yeah. lightsabers, and you're not allowed to walk around to the parks with them either. No. <laughs> what's the point? Yeah. What's the What's the point? I want to spend hundred pounds, hundreds of pounds on a lightsaber, so and go whack Mickey Mouse in the face. Exactly. <laughs> what else would you do with it? Yeah, we 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 saw how Bart Simpson did it when he went itching scratchy land. You've just got to beat up the people in the suits. Perfection. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's 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 ridiculous that they were charging that much anyway. Like, like if they, if if it was something where you could have like your family go on, and say it was like fifteen hundred quid, fine. You know, yeah, it's expensive, but your lightsaber's included. It's like all inclusive, and you've got the the tour around there. It's pricey, but you can get away with that. But like five grand for two for two nights, that's obscene. Mm. It makes me wonder, like, I can, I can possibly understand why it was five grand if you're constantly being entertained, but can they not just slightly change the hotel so it's not an experience, so they, they don't have to factor in the cost of the actors? Just make it maybe a budget to sort of mid-range ho- themed hotel yeah, and just it, let it be access- accessible to more families. Yeah, make it, make it a few hundred a night per room and then, like, because when you go on there, you're not allowed out. You know, yeah, you exactly. You're not allowed to go back into the park, so like make it just so it is the hotel, for, one of the hotels for the park. Yeah. And you can still do the lightsaber thing, still charge a few hundred quid for a lightsaber. You can opt in or out of the events. God, I mean, di- I think Disney are bad at business, man. Yeah. There's websites that you can go on and you can just order a, a lightsaber and they have one kitted out how you pretty much want it and I know, take right? all these, that money and just do it that way. Are these mm-hmm. pe- aren't these people stupid for trying to go to the source? <laughs> I mean, it, like, I think I would like if it was a hundred quid to make a lightsaber. I probably would, because you know you get to choose your core and everything, don't you? Like, it's a, a proper interactive thing. Yeah. But yeah, no, bad Disney. Is that it for news? I uh, know there's one more. 
Um, Killers of the Flower Moon trailer dropped out of nowhere in the sense that I knew nothing about this film. Um, oh no, I've been tracking this for a while. This was this was one of the first things Brendan Fraser got cast in when it when the Brennison started. There's a, a film adaptation uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, De Niro, um, uh, or uh, Denario, uh, Lily Gladstone, and Jesse Pymans, and of course Brendan Fraser's mentioned. Clemens, not uh, Pymans. Is it Plemons? It's Plemons, yeah, you idiot. You Plemons. did this last week. <laughs> You're mixing up your lowercase L's with your uppercase I's. No, not me. It's just I'm reading it. Yes, it is uh, you. You're but... the one reading it. <laughs> I know. Um, moving swiftly on. Uh, the book investigates a series of murders of wealthy, um, is it Os- Osage people? Osage. Osage, thank you. Osage County in Oklahoma. I don't know anything about this story at all. In the early 1920s, after big oil deposits were discovered beneath their land, so uh, it's, they were awarded rights in a court. Yeah, it's it's one of those horrible bits of American history where um, native people basically displaced for white people to get money in violent and horrible ways. The trailer looks fucking great. Yeah, agreed. Like it, it it's proper Scorsese bait. This one. It's also like four hours long as well. Like the man needs an editor. <laughs> if it's done well the time will fly past yeah it's a Apple yeah. TV one as well so it's not it's not hitting the cinemas oh really yeah oh that's so means, interesting means easier to watch in several sittings and with subtitles yeah when yeah. they start mumbling yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah I, I, I haven't seen the trailer yet that's the one where they've made Leo DiCaprio look super old and grizzled isn't it yeah mm, interesting I do like a Leo DiCaprio and Scorsese pairing. Well, Shutter Island was excellent. Yeah, it's one that it's one that works. Is that it for news? Yeah, only uh, the Weird World Web Um, YouTuber Trevor Jacob um, will be admitted to crashing a plane for views. The YouTuber intentionally crashed an aeroplane for um, views. Will plead guilty to obstructing a federal investigation by cleaning up the site of the crash. He posted the video of the plane crash to YouTube in December 2021, implying it was an accident. It has over 2.9 million views to date. Um, he filmed the video as part of a product sponsorship deal. He could face up to 20 years in prison. I think he will as well. I think they'll probably make an example of him. Because oh, yeah. there's so many YouTubers doing dumb shit at the moment. And You don't fuck around with the FAA, the Federal Aviation Authority in America. Like They do not fuck around. Mm. <laughs> like they will absolutely nail him to the wall for as long as they can because he's I mean joking joking aside this is just mad isn't it the things that people are doing to get that sort of attention and the views and stuff I mean it's mad that a YouTuber's got to get likes and stuff but this is just on a completely different fucking level well the sponsor should be held accountable somewhat as well though because they obviously approved it 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 depends well that depends on the contract not all sponsors have like approval rights on videos, mm. but I mean, what it was to impress a, a sponsor to give them the sponsorship, wasn't it? So if the sponsors then did, yeah, it would be seen as condoning it. Ugh, it's fucking ridiculous. I, I've seen the video, and it's just—he's a dick. He's Mega a massive dick. dick. Also, like th- this is why YouTubers need to like have the, have their money curtailed to a point. You can't give a 29-year-old enough money so that he can buy a plane that he intends to crash <laughs> and learn to fly in the process. Like, it's an irresponsible amount of money for someone under 30 to have. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, learning to fly in the first place, that probably would have got the sponsorship. Oh, that also costs a lot of money. Mm. But he could have done a series, I'm learning to fly, let's yeah. get the Foo Fighters in. You know, he's that big a YouTuber. <laughs> learning Jump to fly with plane. Dave Grohl. Jump out the plane naked <laughs> with the sponsor's name written on your ass or something. That might have worked. Yeah. The problem is it was a one-seater plane, so if he jumped out, it was always going to crash. Oh. Fun's driving skills with Vin Diesel. <laughs> You're still so upset about Fast 9, aren't you? <laughs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> Get on the Patreon, Angry. folks. That comes Angry. out next week. Anyway, news done. Let's move on to the Nexus. Who has been doing what? I want to know what Biggie's been doing. Uh, well, uh, as referenced last week, uh, this got me thinking. Well, I might as well pop this on this after uh, a, palette ple- a, pa- a palette cleanser. Sorry, of uh, Fast Nine. I watched The Pope's Exorcist, Ooh. starring Russell Crowe. Uh, it's a supernatural horror film directed by Julius Avery. Uh, it's uh, very loosely based on a 1990 book. An exorcist tells his story, and uh, he plays the actual father, Gabriel Amorth. Um, yeah, this is uh, this stars, uh, as I mentioned, Russell Crowe, Daniel Zavato, Alex Esso, and Franco Nero in supporting roles. Um, this is a weird one. This is kind of like a Lethal Weapon buddy cop movie, but with Exorcist. <laughs> I did, definitely was not expecting you to say that. <laughs> so yeah, it's so weird because it, it starts off quite serious, like any sort of this kind of serious subject matter with um possession and the the movie begins with um you meet muscle uh, i can't speak tonight russell crow muscle crow um, uh, muscle crow <laughs> as he goes to um solve um an issue with somebody claiming that they're being possessed and it's quite a gory start it starts off really well quite enjoyed the beginning and then um because of the way the incident is resolved he ends up seeing which is literally like a panel so imagine if Riggs and Murtor blew up a car park and end up having to go and see the chief um, of police to discuss what happened. He has a panel to go and see of, um, I guess, other Pope-type people. And this panel is really weird. You've really got, got the got Catholic that's... Church down there, haven't you, B? Other I Pope-type have. people. Went off to other, the papery. Other, yeah. <laughs> In Popington. And... Um... <laughs> It's so bizarre because this panel's got really serious um, other Catholic diocese or whoever else is sitting there. And then there's this one guy who's obviously the guy that doesn't like Crow. So he gets really antagonistic and it's just, it just doesn't come across right. It just it seems like an angry police chief. It's just wearing the Catholic gear, having a go at him. It's so weird. Uh, they're saying Does that say he's bringing... This is saying you're a loose canonization. Yeah, it is literally <laughs> just like that. Um, and he fobs it all off. Um, Russell Crowe does very well. He, he speaks in Latin or um, Italian where needed. Um, it's, uh, he's obviously put himself into the role, and he's very good in it. I, I can't knock him for that. But the rest of the movie is fine. It's just a romp where he obviously has an exorcism to deal with, which actually turns out to be true. And the demon is fantastic. Um, I wish I'd make a note of the person that did the voice. I've forgotten to put that in. But the voice of the demon is fantastic. He has to uh, resolve a possession of a young boy in Spain. 
It's an American family that relocate to Spain after the father passed away in a horrible car accident, which the boy was also in. He saw the death of his father. He doesn't speak for nearly two years. And then obviously he gets possessed and ends up having this demonic voice come out of him. Um, uh, Ralph, Ralph Innocent does the voice of Asmodeus. Thank you. Um, he's familiar. What's he been in? I think he's done voice work before for something. Oh, he's uh, Finchy from The Office. He's fucking getting around at the minute. Oh, is that who that was? That's Finchy. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> but he's, he's really good. You know, he does the, the demonic voice perfectly well. And it's gory. It's got exorcism and stuff. But at this point, when you've had everything else before it, there isn't an awful lot they could do different because you're going to have the body raises up from the bed. It growls and it's offensive. and as blood and just all sorts of stuff going on, but they can't do much more than that. It's it, it still, if they're trying to base it somehow in um, facts as well, there's only so much they can do on film. But yeah, it's a romp. He's got a young priest that he uses to help uh, solve the problem. And yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. It's a three out of five, a six, seven out of 10 sort of movie. It's absolutely fine to watch. It's got an eighties soundtrack uh, featuring tracks like, uh, the Cult, She Sells Sanctuary, Gone Daddy Gone by Violent Femmes, and We Care A Lot by Faith No More. I'm in. <laughs> I, guess. I mean, it, it's really slamming home the point, isn't it? Um, and he, he rides around in a Vespa in his black outfit with a, a sort of a fedora on and sunglasses. He's obviously sort of trying to um, create this uh, interesting character. And, then it, and it ends setting up, of course, quite possibly a follow-up as well if they want to go down that route. But, yeah, don't take everything in this movie as truth by any means. It's obviously very loosely based on the books. But yeah, Russell Crowe's fine in it. Um, he's looking a bit older and chubbier as well. Um, That's yeah. possibly because he's getting older. Exactly, like <laughs> me. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. It was, it was absolutely fine. Just uh, don't think it's... Uh, it doesn't take itself too serious. There's, there's quite uh, a lot of humour in it as well. And he's got some one-liners and stuff he throws in, which... You had me at buddy cop exorcism. <laughs> yeah, it, it's literally the best way to explain this movie to anyone. You, you kind of got a rough idea what you're going to see. Do you do anything else? Uh, there's a couple of things that I'm, uh, I'll leave for um, the patron. Okie doke. Uh, gadget. Uh, I have got a couple of things. Um, both of them slightly down on, but. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is I've listened to an audiobook through this week, all nine hours of it, called uh, From Beyond by Jasper T. Scott and Nathan Heistad. This is one of those them there audible originals kind of things that has then been turned into a book that you can actually, you know, paper book that you can read. Um, the synopsis says, are we alone? It was only a matter of time before the truth was revealed. Commander David Bryce is scheduled to lead a routine resupply run for the Orbital Development Group on the fledgling colony of Mars. But without warning, he's taken away by government agents and told the mission parameters have changed. They've discovered something, and it's drifting closer to Earth. Um, uh, it is a sci-fi first contact kind of thing. Um, they send the ship up to then to meet with this kind of one and a half mile long spacecraft that's coming towards Earth, and then all kinds of horrible shenanigans occur when they meet the local Dendians. Um, it's one of those books, it's got a 4.10 rate right now on um, Goodreads, and I think that's too high for it. Oh dear. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't want to say it's a bad book, 
But the problem is it is um, poorly structured. So there is a lot of time spent on Earth at the beginning, setting up the crew, setting up... The, and there's another story with this guy called Atlas Donovan, which is the worst fucking name any character's ever been given. <laughs> he was hunting for uh, alien artifacts, and it sets him up at the beginning as this kind of spy kind of guy. It turns out he's not. He's just a fucker who's just tr trying to get this fucking piece of artifact. Um, and it turns out he's a complete fucking waste of space. But... Yeah, so there's a lot of time spent on Earth at the beginning with them getting set up and, oh, I'm going to be with my family. Oh, it's all so terrible. Yada, yada, yada. Getting to, getting to know them and someone in the crew is mysteriously changed and they don't know why and all that kind of thing. Because, you know, conspiracies. Um, and then they get up into space and you get a chapter of them, a chapter or so of them in space, kind of like getting used to each other, getting to know each other, that kind of thing. And then they're on the other side of where the fucking solar system to get it. They're fast traveled. I don't like that. <laughs> Like, if you're going to make up such a point of it being scientifically accurate and, like, talking about, like, them, you know, trying not to throw up under G-force when they're coming out of the Earth's atmosphere and all the, the kind of ship, that the Beyond 3, the ship that they're on, don't make it so that the long, drawn-out part of getting across space is doesn't exist. Because I was losing track of where things were. And when they get on the, the interloper, this alien ship that they're coming down, the monsters, the aliens and monsters on it, they're not really inspired. Because they're kind of things we've seen in sci-fi before, like the crews feel like the aliens from um, uh, Independence Day, not right. the not the outward armor bits, like the bits on the inside, you know, the mm -hmm. little the squishy bits, the little squid um, things. And the monsters are kind of big alien spiders with huge mouths and all that kind of thing. Um, and but because the ship is so large, the author has a really difficult, really difficult job placing you in that ship. So, like, it talks about, it was like, like, they all split up because that's what you do when you're being attacked by monsters. You all split up. Everyone knows that work for Scooby-Doo. Um, <laughs> and, like, they're going up and it says, uh, oh, these two reached this door and they go in. And I say, oh, this is the bridge. And they talk about what's in the bridge. And I says, we need to get back to the crew. But, sir, it's 14 floors down. It's just like, what the fuck? How did you get up there in that time? <laughs> like, Jesus fucking Christ. And then there's the heel turn, and then there's the then they all get reconciled, and people die. It's just like it's it's one of those ones that I was really intrigued at the beginning, and it got worse as it went on. Mm, so it just didn't really do anything particularly new. No, and it raced to its conclusion. It raced to it. Was and it one of those ones you said it was an audi um, audible original? Was it one of the ones you don't have to spend a credit on? No, you have least? to. I uh, I had to spend a credit on it to get it. Oh, one out of ten. Then in that case, you don't mind so much. That you don't have to pay. <laughs> yeah. No. Very annoying, very annoying. Um, it, it's part of a saga as well as like three or four of these books. I'm not going to continue with the saga. No. <laughs> it was fine for the night. And it was read by uh, the guy who did uh, Project Hail Mary. What's his name? Ray. Um, uh, Ray Porter. Ray Porter, yeah. So that, that, got, a, that got a few points because Ray Porter is still very good. Mm. Do you know what? I actually, he's one of the um, narrators that I will seek out what he's done because normally what he. Um... What he narrates are books that I do tend to be, I do tend to quite enjoy, whether yeah. that's because of his voice or because he chooses the things that I enjoy. Well, that's kind of why I went on this one because I was a bit of a dearth on what to listen to because, like, books that I've already got, I don't want to then get again as, like, pay again uh, with a credit on uh, Audible to listen to. So, mm. uh, so yeah, no, that was a bit of a bit of a disappointment. I'm finding Audible a bit hit or miss, like, with the books it recommends to me. Well, do you know what isn't on Audible? Animal Blue still isn't still, on there, is it? Still isn't on there. I'm gonna have to read it. I'll send you. I'll send you my copy when I'm done with it. If you want, oh. save, save you the inconvenience. 
Well, I'll get it on Kindle, so at least I didn't have to carry it too much. But, oh. <laughs> just, just read it to me. I'm not going to read it to you. Carrying books has become a first world problem. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it seems like fucking using her eyes to, en- to engage with a book has become a fucking first world problem. My eyes get tired. I'm a busy woman. I've got things to look at all day. I don't want to be looking at things in the end of the, <laughs> at the, end of the day when I'm trying to relax. You're a busy, busy woman on the go trying to have it all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I uh, asked you to read it for me. You said no. I know. <laughs> Pip, Pip asked me to read her my book yesterday. I'm like, no, you fucking read it yourself. Oh, you'd make a lovely narrator. I'm sure I would. I'm not going to sit there and read it. Last time I tried reading that book, I got two sentences in, she fell asleep, which I'm sure <laughs> is a good thing. But still, it's a long book if I'm doing it two sentences at a time. <laughs> um, when are you going to do your book? Uh, I am going to do it at some point this year, actually. It's a kind of audio bookie podcasty thingy. I'm going to use that, that so I can send it to Audible and go, hey, give me a job. Yes. Please, <laughs> please do that. Uh, the other thing I've done, which I'm also slightly down on, is, uh, you, Biggie, you brought it up before. I've been playing Star Citizen this week. <laughs> How so, has that gone? Well, I'm going to tell you. So Star Citizen, if you aren't aware of it, is an in-development multiplayer space trading and combat sim game. Uh, made by a company called Cloud Imperium Games for PC. Uh, this is quite famous that it was a Kickstarter 10 years ago. <laughs> and it's still not out proper. It's still an alpha. Um, it has been, in fact, it, the production of the game began in 2010. So it's been going on a little, This is the Chinese democracy of video games. Um, it is basically. The, the concept is, is, is taking stuff like Elite and that kind of game and just kind of like amping it up to the max. Uh, the intention for the game is to have this fully realized kind of universe. You can go around multiple star systems. Unlike, say, No Man's Sky, it's like not procedurally generated. Like each planet is distinct or has something unique about it, even if, it, even if it's a barren place. Um, but the whole thing is like this whole massive universe, massively online thing where everyone can get together. Uh, they're calling it a persistent universe. So that's the intention of it. The thing is, so far through crowdfunding, as of September 2022, it's raised $500 million. I know it's some phenomenal amount, isn't it? And it's not fucking finished. Mm. Um, so quickly, they... where do they stand? Because I've backed a few Kickstarter projects, and in fact, all the ones I have have been successful. So where does it stand on that? Is it success or not? Because it's not even out, so they technically haven't released it, but they're still getting funding for it. I mean, I don't understand how it works. Well, see, you you can buy it and play it, but you play it as an in the alpha. Um, it's it's basically early access, but as yeah. far as Kickstarter is concerned, it's still in development. It's a success, it's like a Kickstarter success. Um, yeah. So this is the longest running. Maybe maybe the longest running development game going, and like credit to them, the uh, aspiration is fantastic. Like what they want to do is brilliant. Um, I'm playing it at the minute because it's on a free week. Uh, they do a couple of them every year where you know anyone can just get into it because if you want to buy into it, it's forty five pound, which is fine. It's what the game yeah. costs. Uh, the problem is when it's a free weekend, obviously loads of people go into it, and it's absolutely fucking backwards ass broken. Like you know, I've got a fucking stupid PC. I've got my this overpowered thing that I that I won. Um, I have had to knock this game down to medium, low to medium settings to get it to run anything over forty frames a second. Oh, 
it is janky as fuck. Your character walk speed is too slow, but his run speed is too fast. The frame rate is all over the place. Your interactions with the world don't, don't sometimes don't make sense. Um, it does not respect your time. So th- this is the run of the game. You load into the game. You wake up in in whatever town that you that your last la- character was last in in a in a room. Get out of bed. Get up. You then have to go out of your room, find the lift, go down in the lift, go into the lobby, out of your building, into the town, find the um, tram station, wait for the tram to turn up, get in the tram, sit in the tram until it reaches the spaceport. You get to the spaceport, then you have to go to a kiosk to get your ship retrieved from storage and then sent to a hangar bay. Then you have to get in the lift and go down two corridors to get to your, your hangar bay. Oh, that sounds way too much like a day's work. It's I was like, literally going to say the same. It is ridiculous. Like just again, it takes ten minutes to get into space from starting from spawning into the game, um, and that's if you can get a parking space. Because if there's too many people in your server all trying to get their ships at the same time, it will put you in a queue to get yeah. your ship delivered for you to get into space. How many? How many servers are there? Is it like one big mega server, or is it, is it several smaller ones? No, it's it, it's region servers, but it's right. like. It's like US, EU, APAC, that kind of thing. Like, it's not yeah. many servers. Um, it's, there's a lot of persistent players at the same time. Um, what else? What else I noticed? Um, interacting with the world can sometimes be a little bit funny. The game crashes on the regular. Sometimes, like, I, there was one point I got into the game, I got out of my room, I got into the lift, and then just, I just got a star field in front of my eyes. I <laughs> fell, clearly fell through the map. <laughs> but then I couldn't. I couldn't exit the game. I had to all F four to get out. I had to kill the game. Um. What, what? What else? The flying bit of it, like when you get into space, it's fucking brilliant. It's like it's better than Elite Dangerous. It's so good when you're in space. Wow. Um. The flying controls are great. Getting into hyperspeed is fucking brilliant. You can set your your ship off in a direction and then get out your chair and go wander around the inside of your ship. Oh, that's cool. Like it's really cool and really, really very immersive. But it's the, it's the point getting to that point takes you so long. The other thing is this is loading screen simulator 2023 at the minute, because I played for two hours today and I got ten minutes of game time. Oh god! Because it was constantly sitting on a loading screen or crashing out or whatever. Like the game is not stable. And like I, I want, I am interested in Star Citizen. I have been since it was conceived, since I saw it. And I didn't back the original Kickstarter because I didn't have any money at the time. Um, like I can afford forty five pound for this. I want to invest in this because it is really fun to play. Uh, the first person shooting stuff when you get into like I tried some of the co- one of the combat arenas. First person shoot, it feels like a Call of Duty game. It's great, but getting into that it is so hard when the game is so unstable. Mm. And I don't know if the game will get more stable when it's out of the free period because there's less players on. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. Like I would like this to be. Even just move to beta, you know, a bit more stable. Graphics are wonderful. Just the frame rate is so poor. It's so unoptimized. The frame rate stabilizes when you get out of the atmosphere and into space because basically you have less players around you. Mm. When you get onto a planet, whether it's <clears throat> whether it's a planet where you have to go and get something and there's people happens to be fighting on it, or whether it's like a city planet like you start at, that's when it slows right down. Um or like you just you fly straight from the ground into space, no loading screens, and it's still it's impressive every time. And like you know, you you hyperspeed up to a planet, and it like comes into your view, and then you stop, and then you find where you need to go, and you like go through the atmosphere and land. And 
it's great. And you see people just like having random battles. So like I'm going like picking up this parcel that I need to take to somebody. And like I can see in the sky, there's like people doing dog fights around me. And like it's really it, when it works, it's brilliant. But it fucking Elite doesn't work. It's good. It's good for that. Yeah, yeah but Elite Dangerous shit, shit the bed when they started putting the out of ship stuff there. Mm. And that's the problem. Like, I, 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 I'm interested in this because it's trying to do what Elite Dangerous wanted to do, but Elite Dangerous got it so wrong. Um, also, the monetization of this game is obscene. That's what I was about to ask about. So is it like a sort of, has it got its own basic like in-game economy? Like, is it comparable to, um, is it EVE Online? Uh, sort of. Um, you, you can't buy credits in the game. Like mm. at, the, at the minute, it's all like, everything you earn in game. You earn in game. You can't put money in to buy currency. Right. Which I like, but that'll change when it go when it gets released. They basically said this is just while it's in alpha. But what you can do is buy ships. Would you like to know how much some of the ships cost? Oh, I've got a vague idea, but please tell us. Okay, so if we go down to the bottom of the scale, and it's a long scroll down to the bottom of the scale. You can buy yourself, um, let's see, what's the first ship? It's called, it's, it's an Aurora ES, and this is just like a little one-person ship for scooting about between um, planets. $20. I am flying around in that shit wagon. Oh, you, 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 the lady wants something a bit more impressive. Well, then there's a Mustang Beta, which is a, which is a little fighting aircraft, and it's bright yellow. That one's four, four, $40. Has it got cup holders? It does. Excellent. But, you know, I, I know the lady likes luxury. So if you want a space yacht, you can get the 890 Jump, which is one of the largest ships in the game. It has a spa. It has its own little cinema inside. Um, you, you can sit in a virtual spa while you're being flown around places. $950. Oh Real God. world cash. Oh, my God. Or... The most expensive one they have is the Javelin Destroyer. This is basically it's like a Star Destroyer. This is a fucking weapon of war. $3,000. Wow. Jesus Christ. And people are fucking buying them. They're not selling these, like, fucking, um, what's names are they? Not, um, not Bitcoin, the other one. Crypto. They're not doing crypto. No, the um, like the art ones and stuff. Why is the oh word? NFTs? And they're not no. selling them as NFTs then. No, no, no. This is buying the ship in game. Right. You you get it. You get to fly it. You can crew it however you want. But yeah, you can spend three thousand dollars on a on a sh- bit of digital code. People will though. People do. That's, that's the trouble. People will and do, and that's why it's inc- people just need to be seen in the most expensive thing that you can buy. Yeah, it's and also I remember if. I can't remember if I pay for it in Elite, but I've got um, Elite Dangerous on my dashboard. I've got bobble heads of letters, and it's got Biggie in bobble letters. <laughs> I mean, that's cute. Wiggles as my, my craft flies around. That was quite cool. <laughs> the, the thing is, well, you can buy ships that are marked as in concept, so you can pay your money for them, but you don't get them yet because they're still kind of building them in the game. And then there are some that are kind of limited, limited in stock, like that 890 Jump, the yacht one. There's only like so many of them allowed in the world because they're so fucking massive, and there's only certain starports that can take them. Um, so like, it's frustrating because I, I I really am interested in Star Citizen. I would like this to be a game I can play regularly, but my first impression of trying to play it is nothing but pure frustration. <laughs> mm. I mean, it can change though, can't it? Like, I think um, I read recently 
that they were advertising for staff to work in some huge um, office they're opening in the UK. Yeah. So they're yes. opening studios all over the place. So yeah. they're expecting it to be big. They've got the money. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um. There's also supposed to be this campaign mode coming out for Squadron 42, which has got like loads of like really famous people in like Mark Hamill's in it and people like that. Um, that doesn't appear to have appeared ever. I don't know what's going on with the campaign, but hey-ho. So, yeah, I'm kind of down on the things I've done this week, but I have been playing lots of Legend of Zelda. That's fun. Nice. I'm committing atrocities against Koroks because they deserve it. Oh, they're adorable. They're adorable. They, they might be adorable, but they get annoying when they constantly need help to get to their friends. So I'm giving them help with their friends by strapping them to rockets. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> Find your friends now. <laughs> exactly. Shouldn't have worn such a heavy backpack if you can't move in it. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's my, that's my week. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I've done something small. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revisit some things that I've spoken about before, actually, because I'm com- coming to the end of both of them. So I want to talk my, about my experience with Hogwarts Legacy All and right. started strong. I think Oodles, he dropped off of it and I'm, did, start, yeah. I'm starting to understand why. And it's really just hard to describe just how much I can really enjoy a game, but really hate it at the same time. Like mm. the things it does right, it does perfectly. Like the, the way they have done the Wizarding World is incredible. They've done Hogwarts. Everything in Hogwarts that, you see, that you've seen in the films is almost identical to how they've done it in the films. And then all the places that they've described in the books that they haven't shown in the films are brilliant. They just expand upon it exponentially, basically. So what you're left with is a Hogwarts the size of which has just not been seen in any of the films, although it's like instantly recognisable. Like we're definitely in the Great Hall. We're definitely in the potions room because yeah, they look identical. They've, they've, place- they've managed to link together those individual sets they had for the film into like contiguous space. Yeah, and the Gryffindor common room and everything, but it's it's places like the like the astrology tower and everything that yeah. you know exists, but you've never seen it, and the kitchens that are talked about in the books. And it's so nice to be able to actually go and see these places. And there's some lore that's expanded on. There's some characters that are talked about in the books. It's their um, ancestors. There's some really well-recognized wizarding surnames and everything, some of which, you know, go on to do this, that, and the other. And just expanding on the lore is brilliant. The game itself is a very generic RPG, and it it tries to do so much that it doesn't do any of it particularly well. They've they've tried to get a bit of everything in terms of, so you've got your main RPG, you've got the main story modes, which is fairly bland um, tasks. You have to learn certain certain potions. You have to learn certain um, spells that none of them seem to really further the story. Like you can go, you can go through the whole game without actually learning these things, Um, but they're still there on your list of things to do, and which is a bit of noise. There's a kind of house crafting part in terms of so you get the room of requirement. And you can customize it however you want. And you go out in the world and look for these things to customize the room of requirement. There's a Pokemon yeah. part of the game. You can go out and capture animals from the wild and they'll come to your room of requirement. Uh, there's a racing part of it. You have to race on the broomsticks. And it's just so much without really contributing to the story. The 
main story as well there's it's a lot of it's a lot of quests that don't have much going on like there's a lot of go to this place and speak to this person all right quest completed you've leveled up go to this place and speak to this person there's not that many enemy interactions there's not that much dungeon crawling the dungeons that i have been in actually the puzzles are quite good but there's just not enough of it it's it's not right it's just not enough to really keep me intrigued, although I will finish it because it's obviously expanding on official law. I think it is canon, so it is interesting, but it's just if it wasn't if it wasn't a story which i was which I already partly knew, if it was just a game if it was own, its own i p I don't think i'd I'd enjoy it is it so, is is the franchise really doing the heavy lifting for you absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. And, and like I said, that's what it does right, and it really does do that right. But the game itself as a game is very middle of the road, six, seven out of ten. Right. Um, which some people will be fine with. Some people do just want to explore Hogwarts, and fair enough, why wouldn't you? So that's a bit disappointing. The other thing I've almost finished is Better Call Saul. And hey. I... I don't know why I didn't, like I said before, I don't know why I didn't jump on this before because I know how many people really enjoy it, but I didn't realise just how clever the writing is and just what a complex character Saul is as well. Like, he's one of them, you could easily fall in love with him as a person. Like, he's he's such a complex character in that his heart's in the right place, but he can't help himself making wrong decisions and constantly pursuing the wrong thing. He's sharp as attack. He could easily be a lawyer because at the beginning of the show, he's kind of in the shadow of his brother, um, who, as it turns out, probably knew him a little bit too well. Um, you know, you, at the beginning of the show, you think, you know, it's, it's his, his heart's in the right place. It's his brother that's kind of keeping him down. And because he's living in the shadow, he's never going to be able to live up to his achievements. Well, the, the brother character... Um, exits the series a couple of seasons in and it's now just up to Saul to make his own decisions. And it's a case of, are you going to sink or swim? Are you going to take this one road and be a good lawyer and do things by the book? Or are you going to go back into your con man ways? Because he's got, an, he's got a history of being a con man and he's got absolutely no need to. He's got this amazing girlfriend who also is the most incredible lawyer, also sharp as attack does things by the book, but then she's got the kind of, she's also got a side to her that can be led astray by Saul. And he uses his forces for evil in that department. You know, she, she is such a strong character, but just sometimes can't help herself and she can't help but encourage Saul as well. So um, if you haven't seen the show, he did, his, Saul Goodman's not his real name. That's a persona that he takes on. And his, his actual name's Jimmy. And there's such a difference between Jimmy the lawyer and Saul Goodman. So he gets a name, Saul Goodman. Saul Goodman. You know, he's taking yeah. on these petty criminals and everything. And just gets in way too deep. But has given so many opportunities to get out of that lifestyle. Like, he'll make a hundred grand and he can just walk away and just carry on being a pro bono lawyer. But you just can't resist. It's, and it's not even the money as well. It's just this constant desire to self-destruct, I think. And I haven't got to the end of the show, but I mean... You know that you know it's it's a prequel to Breaking Bad, so yeah, you, you know, know where everyone can, will end up. You know where everyone ends up. You know he can continues to be well, a, a dodgy lawyer. 
that was the hardest part of watching the show because having been a massive fan of Breaking Bad as well, you know the outcomes for all of the characters bar one pretty much. And that's been, for me, the biggest draw because Rhea doesn't appear in Breaking Bad at all. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of, you've got this horrible feeling what's going to happen to her. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, of course. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just, it was so good, just that tension. Because they had to do something because everybody else, you know what happens to them. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's kind of what else can they bring to that show just to have that sort of tension. And, of course, yeah, and, and yeah, you described it perfectly, just the, the times when he, he's got an opportunity to just sort his life out and then he just does something completely off kilter you're just like no what are you doing because see, yeah. you know there is a good person in there you know he's got a big yeah. heart and it, the heart is yeah. in the right place but he's just got something to live up to and he i think it's always like almost like he's trying to get away from who his brother was because his his brother had his own sort of mental issues and everything and i think he just didn't want to go down that sort of lifestyle and in the end it didn't you know he kind of it consumed him so I think there's a part of Saul that doesn't want to see that, plus some events that happened in his childhood, like uh, his his father was a shopkeeper, and um, they had a they had a robbery one day, and the uh, the perpetrator sort of said to him, you know, you've got two choices in life, you can you can go down this road, you can go down the other road, and the old uh, older brother obviously took the high road and did things by the book and everything, where Saul took the uh, less reputable way of life i think mm. but at the same time you're just still you're, you're always rooting for him and mm. there's some there's some moments it's a light it's a light-hearted i wouldn't say no sorry it's, it's not a light-hearted show it's a drama show with light-hearted moments but some of the dramatic the more dramatic elements are really it can be like a, a real gut punch and when you see you know saul really going through things when 10 minutes later it's been just laugh out loud funny it's such a, it's such an emotional roller coaster. There was one scene where he's um, that I saw a couple of hours ago, and the visual effects are so incre incredible as well. Like he's walking through the desert and this car crashes behind him, oh, and with, yeah. without him even looking back, like that was a practical effect. And this guy Bob Edenker is not really an action hero. He must have been absolutely bricking his pants because that car came close <laughs> to him as well. <laughs> like just to see something like that and. Other than that, I, th I don't think it's as graphically violent as Breaking Bad is. So mm. when those moments happen, it is more of a, it is more impactful, I think. But I, I also it's love... A role, it's a role of a lifetime, isn't it, for both him and uh, his co-star? Absolutely. Uh, just, yeah. yeah. Jesus, that was fantastic. Everyone's good in it, but, but those two are absolute standout. Well, he's, he's obviously an incredible writer himself, I think, isn't he? Because he comes from a, mm. a comedy background. Like, was yeah. it Sim I think it's The Simpsons and everything. That yeah, he was, a, he was a writer on The Simpsons. He's guested on, like, Seinfeld, Friends, yeah. How I Met Your Mother. He's been on fucking everything. Yeah. So he's, he worked closely with David Cross as well. They, they right. had their own thing. For yeah, yeah he, he had a couple of turns on um, Arrested Development, didn't he? Yeah, so really, uh, really sharp, really snappy. And I just, I absolutely love it. And I think... I'm on the last series now. I think it's probably going to be a day or so till I finish. I started it about ten days ago. Oh, you hammered it! Absolutely smashed it, which is why I haven't that got that much to talk about in the Nexus for the last several weeks. But one thing I did quickly do this afternoon was watch a documentary on Netflix, and it's 
the subtle art of not giving a fuck, and it's the one that's um, based on the book. Um, oh, I read the book. Yeah, so it's by the same author. And um, just to give you a synopsis, it says, the subtle art of not giving a fuck is the human journey is explored. Happiness comes not from a pill, a nice car, more money, or being better looking. True joy, the author tells us. It's found an achievement in the journey of life itself. In this feature documentary adaption, we will bring this incredibly successful book to the screen with an engaging, thought-provoking and entertainment journey into modern life. And in doing so, we will allow our audience to take away from the theatre the powerful message that has caught on worldwide how to not give a fuck about that which doesn't matter and how to love that which does. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Like having sort of, I mean, we've all had our own struggle with uh, mental issues, I think, especially with current cost of living crisis everyone's you know taking stock of what is important in life and what we actually do need and what we don't and it's it was nice it made some very good points and actually a lot of it is just basically buddhism got it right (laughs) you know (laughs) we we suffer because we're constantly wanting things and when you get it you're not going to be as happy as you think although that said i can't think there's much that would not, I, I, I don't think I'd have that many problems if I had a bit more money. <laughs> Maybe I would find problems. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a nice one to watch and it is thought provoking. And it's nice to hear the author talking about his own life experiences because he came from a bit of a um, traumatic background. There was an issue when he was at school in 13, he was caught drug dealing. And that was um, kind of a turning point in his life where it sort of all started to go off kilter a little bit and it was the death of a friend which really made him take stock of what was important and how to achieve happiness without constantly wanting more out of life but yeah it was it was very good worth a watch right on to the main feature then and like i said before it's patreon's choice this week and we've got down the rabbit hole so what little tidbits have we found that's just sent us on an hour-long binge of information. One thing leads to the other, branches off here, branches off there. What's led to what? I want to know. Gadget, what's your favourite rabbit hole? Uh, so one, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's my favourite one. It's the most recent one that I could think of that, um, that I went down. And this was, this was, this was one, one of those times when I was, just, I was not feeling well. I was laid up in my bed convalescing. And I started a video and then... Several hours later, I was still watching videos about it. Uh, cryptocurrency scams. <laughs> yeah, big fan, big fan of crypto scams. Very entertaining. So, I mean, we, we've we've talked about them before. NFTs and crypto—they're all a scam in general. But there have been so many people bilking their fans or ruining people's lives by taking their money. It has become basically a thing on YouTube where people have made careers about documenting this stuff. There's a YouTuber I watch called CoffeeZilla who started off as just like a guy giving financial advice on YouTube, like broad, very very broad financial advice. And then he's become like the internet detective, like chasing down these crypto scammers and working out what people are doing. Uh, and the big one, I think what got me into the rabbit hole was the Logan Paul one. So Logan Paul, well-renowned cunt, um, <laughs> he, he'd done a few things with crypto, but then he put together this thing called Crypto Zoo. Which was uh, he called it a game where you buy in crypto uh, an NFT egg that you then hatch and you get a random NFT animal out of that, and the concept was you were supposed to be able to breed them and then make zoo tokens, 
and be able to um, make money out of it. And of course, it was utter bullshit. But he got his fans on. And like, what what was interesting with watching these kind of videos about it was what like them documenting the process of how he goes about doing the kind of a pump and dump like this, like getting people excited. Like he'll pay other influencers to say they're investing in CryptoZoo. He'll pay people like to tweet about it or to like put links out for it. I guess his very, usually very young, but also like slightly disposably income kind of audience to then get in a bit of a froth and a further further about it. So when he launches it, him and his mates have already like given themselves so many NFTs on it. Loads of people go in to buy it. The value goes up and, and they instantly start selling. So they make the maximum money because the price is shot through the roof because there's all this instant demand. And they take the money and run. And it's millions of dollars that they took. So yeah, I, I've been on a few of these kind of rabbit holes about Bitcoin scams, um, or, or cri- cryptocurrency ones. So I, I've got a list from uh, Tech Target, which is their ten common crypto scams for you to watch out for. <laughs> so the first one is a standard one: Bitcoin investment schemes. That's just the same as any investment scheme, you know, quick get rich quick kind of things. You want a fee, you want to you know pay to get into it, all that kind of thing. They'll teach you how to be rich, the, the, the Andrew Tate kind of shit. Rug pulls, which is where they um, they pump up the excitement. That's what Logan Paul does a lot. They're pumping up the excitement of it, getting people all into a fervor. People go into it, and then the price goes up, and the people who own all of the tokens sell them quickly and make a fuck ton of money, and then they abandon the project. Mm-hmm. Romance scams. So dating apps are no stranger to crypto scams. <laughs> so I think this is one that's typical to most of the romance scams. You know, get someone who's lonely on there, get money. Scammer disappears, that kind of thing. Uh, fishing, standard. Don't need to go into what they are. Man in the middle attack. So, like, people like getting involved when you're kind of moving your Bitcoin around and they'll be just going to just like, take it out there. Take it out of your wallet. Mm. And then, like, social media giveaway ones, Ponzi schemes. Ponzi schemes are always fun. I love a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> Bernie Madoff, man, he was the king of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And a Ponzi scheme, if you don't know, that's where. You invest with someone, they promise you'll get a certain return on it, and they give you that return because they've taken money from someone else. So basically, they're always in debt, and they're just moving money in a big circle and like taking money from the transactions. Then there's fake crypto exchanges because, like, for all for every Coinbase, there's about ten of these things that are fake, where they will steal your money. Uh, what was it? That one FTX was one of those. Mm. Uh, fraudulent employees, so people who work for crypto sites taking monies. And then flash loan attacks, which are loans for short periods of time, such as seconds to make a trade. These loans are popular in the crypto market because traders use funds to buy tokens on one platform at a lower price, then sell that asset immediately on a different platform to make money. And flash loans aren't collateralized or linked to anything, so you can scam people quite easily with these things. So yeah, I've gone down loads of fucking rabbit holes about crypto. It's great. Like I would obviously never would buy crypto. It's a fucking horrible scam in the, in the first place. The concept of it is awful. But I like watching, like, like seeing these people because the thing is these people who are scammers they're smart enough to do the scam but they're not smart enough to be confronted about it mm-hmm. like coffeezilla spent a year like doing the um the crypto zoo thing the logan paul thing and when it came out logan paul threatened to sue him he's like yeah that's how you fucking deal with allegations you go to court but it didn't work <laughs> for barbara streisand it ain't gonna fucking work for you logan paul like innocent people don't sue <laughs> they just go no i didn't do that fuck mm-hmm. off um, 
Oh, there's there's loads of ones where like Coffee's will be interviewing someone, and he and he will just flat out say because he's they say these people aren't very smart. He will just flat out say to them, "So you're running a scam," and they'll be like, uh, 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 and like they don't have an answer to it. <laughs> it's fucking great. Yeah, it's I just great don't, I don't understand how people have made so much from crypto. Like I've I've bought some crypto, and I see it go up and down a little bit here, there, and everywhere, but just the ex- the the explosion was in- incredible but i just don't know it seems like almost everyone who does have crypto and has been successful with it has been dodgy in some way shape or form <laughs> uh, it's for many a netflix documentary though so we have to thank yeah. you for that crypto and nfts are, are that thing where for someone to win other people have to lose mm-hmm. like it's not like you kind of can't say it's like um like it's not like traditional stock trading or anything like that where you know, a value of a company can go up and your share, the value of your shares can go up, but it doesn't have to happen at the expense of other people. It's just the shares become more desirable, you know, and someone's willing to buy them. Whereas to make, like, a lot of money very quickly in crypto, you have to fuck people over. So it, it attracts a certain kind of person. You know, I just don't understand it. It scares me, and I'm not, I'm not going to get ever get involved. And it, it just, yeah, it just... It, I, I like think say, it's... Even if you wanted to try and get into it, the right way how on earth do you trust who's who and yeah it just well yeah like that's that's the minefield that's the, of issues like, that's the thing like that that's the thing you not understanding it, i will not take the piss out of because it's deliberately obtuse and it's it, it's done in everything's put together in such a way that it kind of people just lie like mm. flat out lie like like the, the whole there was a whole thing with ftx which was a big crypto exchange um, where the guy who was running it, Sam Bankman-Fried, he just fucked off with billions. He was absolutely re- left, like, they had no collateral, he just fucked off with the money, he was picked up in the Bahamas or some shit like that. That's right, yeah. Like, you can't trust, uh, and, like, that almost caused a financial crisis because banks had money in FTX. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's like, you, you can't trust, I think the only safe way to do crypto is to have the old school style of Bitcoin wallet on your computer. Like, don't use stuff like Coinbase. Like, do direct transfers and stuff mm. like that. But even then, it's just like, the hard drive dies, you're fucked. Yeah. You know, you lose yeah. all that money. I imagine so, it's a convenient way to cut out the tax man as well. Like, I'm sure that's probably a lot of what's going on. Yeah, but the thing is, as well, there's so many bad actors in it, it's going to get regulated soon anyway. So mm. it's it kind of, it will be taxed. Yeah. So, fuck it, just stick your money in, like, an S&P 500 or something like that, or a normal kind of investment um, fund. Just make money that way. Like it's crypto is just so dodgy. Yeah, I, I love these channels that go into like the deep deep dives on these crypto assholes. Um, the other one which I quite enjoy um is um I fall down a lot of rabbit holes about speed running. Oh, I remember because I'm a big fan of speed running. <laughs> and there's a, there's a few channels like Summoning Salt and Carl Jobst who just talk about it and like they'll give the histories of games. Um, and like, uh, in fact, someone in Salt just yesterday put out like the history of Halo Two speed running. I didn't know there was a Halo Two speed running scene. Turns out there is, and they're fucking psychopaths. <laughs> but when you go down that rabbit hole, you end up then getting it, the, getting into other people who will talk like will show you how to do these skips and show you how like uh, uh, what's it, Tomato Anus, he, his channel. He, it's a fucking great name. <laughs> what uh, a name. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 he did Fallout 4. Title of the pod. He, he did Fallout 4 at um, Games Done Quick, and because of his name, he had to change it to Tomato Angus. Because <laughs> you're, you're, you're not allowed to be generally rude at Games Done Quick. 
his, in fact, his Fallout 4 GDQ run is incredible. He beats it in about a half an hour. Somebody Ooh. already did um, Tears of the Kingdom, didn't they? They beat it in a yeah, couple of hours. 90 minutes. And it had only been out about sort of a day when they came out with that, didn't they? Yep. It's like a 100-hour game as well. God. Um, so, yeah, so like, I, I like, like, I will never be a speedrunner. I don't have the time commitment or the fucking stick withedness to do it. But I really enjoy watching people describe how to do a speedrun. I, like, I think you have to be like pixel perfect in some points, don't you? Yeah, it's like timing I don't have. Hmm. Um, and especially like the, the ones I've been focusing on a lot recently, just because I recently played the game, is the Hollow Knight speedruns. There's so many people who will teach you how to do Hollow Knight speedruns. And it's really interesting, like how they do it and how they come up with all the tactics and the, the skips and um, like dealing with certain encounters. Like there's, an, there's a, uh, an arena room early on in Hollow Knight where you go in and there's an Aspid Fly. You get locked in through him, you kill the Aspid Fly, and then two more appear. And the way, and the way what speedruns worked out is when you go through Hollow Knight, there are like these stalactites that will fall from the ceiling occasionally and just a random damage thing. Those two second two aspects that appear, if you jump up to a certain platform, get this stalactite to fall down, and you hit it with your sword, it will go down the right angle and kill them both in one hit. Mm. I was like, who the fuck worked that out? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was probably an accident to start off with, wasn't it? Something yeah. like did something you, you couldn't possibly repeat, or so you think. Yeah, but now every time you watch a Hollow Knight speedrun, they get to that arena room, they do that trick. And I do that trick now when I play through it, because I've seen so many people do it, I've worked out how to do it. And it's that kind of thing. I love it. And it's just, I can go for days watching, watching, watching speedrunning videos and how to speedrun. I know, I know, I know how to speedrun Mario Kart. Couldn't fucking do it if I tried, but I know yeah. how to do it. I know, <laughs> know the theory. <laughs> the theory in me, Ed. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my ones. Oh, I'll go next. And um, for me, it seems to be like all, ro- all roads lead to aliens when I fall down a rabbit hole, unintentionally or not. So, I was watching, I think it was, it might have been Vice or one of the YouTube channels, and they were talking about the Centennial Light. Has anyone heard of that? Centennial Light, that rings a bell. So it's, the, it's a light bulb, and it's been burning. It's the longest burning light bulb. Interesting. Nothing to do with aliens, you might think. So <laughs> Everything's bulb, aliens. This light bulb has been burning since 1901, and it's never been turned off. And at the moment, it's been in several locations. At the moment, actually, I think there's a uh, live webcam. You can actually watch it, but it's being maintained by a fire station in New York City, I think. And um, uh-huh. it was created by a French engineer called Adolphe Chalet, um, who filed the patent for the technology. And it was uh, managed in Shelby, Ohio, by Shelby Electric Company in the late 1890s. Um, many of it, just like it, still exists and are also still functioning. And it went down this. Um, I wouldn't call it conspiracy, but probably a proven fact because it, basically that they they don't want these light bulbs to be mass produced because they want light bulbs to eventually go out, so people will then buy more light bulbs. Nothing makes money if it goes on forever, like many things. And I think actually it, it was a program about forced um, scarcity and things deliberately bricking, so like the iPhone batteries and things have been proven, and probably many other things, have been proven to, after several updates of a couple of years, the battery will brick just so you have to buy a new one. And not conspiracy, factual, it actually happens. And that's how I got onto the light bulb. So that got me thinking like, okay, right, so what is the oldest light bulb then in existence? And that took me to 
Egypt, ancient Egypt, where there's right. supposedly hieroglyphics in the pyramids of um, people using a light bulb to build a pyramid. And apparently what this is called is the Dendera light. And what it looks like basically is a, a huge, it would be like a meter or two long. There's a guy holding this thing and it looks like it's got a filament on the inside. And um, scientists, I say in inverted commas, maintain that this was the first light bulb when actually it's um, apparently so the Dendrolite depicts Harsomtus, which is the form of a snake emerging from a lotus flower, which is usually attached to the bow of a barge. The so-called Dendrolite is a variation of this motif showing Harsomtus <laughs> in an oval container called Hn, which might re represent the womb of Nut. Okay. Sounds a bit dodged, but it does look remarkably like a light bulb. So that then took me on to the theory of aliens helping to build the pyramids and giving us this technology <laughs> to light said pyramids. <laughs> and then we have the, the formation of the pyramids themselves that they, they mimic some, you know, the alignment of certain stars. And then so many different... Um, people in history and ancient history that have pyramids arranged or just having pyramids you know the human need to build a pyramid is strong apparently but so many different settlements and ancient tribes and people have these pyramids as kind of burial grounds but they all seem to be in the same formation and so many different um, ancient people also have the same imagery and the same pictures on the walls and the same kind of artifacts and stuff it's like how could these how could these people that live thousands and thousands of miles apart have the same kind of things? Why would they all build pyramids? Why would they all have this little pottery spaceman? It looks like so for me, it's definitely an it's it's an ancient alien theory. Like everything leads to aliens, and then of course, like I'm on the sort of UFO hunters of Reddit, and my <laughs> God, there are some there are some real stretches. Like. Oh, I a bird has to look slightly round and it's a UFO. But I will just absorb <laughs> this. I will read it for hours and hours. I just love going down this, like, sublime to ridiculous. Like, some of it is genuinely, like, I, I cannot explain some of the things that you see on Reddit. Other times, it's a shoe that's hanging from a tree. It's, like, it's clearly not an alien. But it is, it's fascinating. <laughs> and that got me onto sort of Project Aurora and... Test flights, Project Aurora is this um, apparently super, super supersonic plane. And you can supposedly see the, the contrails or chemtrails from space. And it's just, it's gone across the world in about two hours. Right. And you can see these sort of satellite things. So from there, I got to this Project Aurora to the, um, this ancient so-called satellite. Um, I'm going to have to look up the name because it's gone straight out my hairs. Ancient. The Black Knight, it's called. Yeah, this ancient so-called satellite called the Black Knight that's been orbiting Earth. And it seems to be of a really sort of um, alien structure. So it's just absolutely... I've gone from fucking light bulbs in a fire station <laughs> to alien satellites in not much of a, you know, in a couple of hours of scrolling. And just... just Space itself, like Oodles mentioned it before, and that's I had a conversation with him this afternoon that we all have, we, he and I have the exact same phobias. 
So absolutely fascinated by space, but absolutely petrified of it. I would never go into if if this if the Earth was exploding, I would not get in that rocket and go off to Mars. I would just uh, stay on the planet. It's fine. If I'm meant to die, now's my time. I would not go into space. But just going from the uh, Black Knight satellite to space facts as well. Did you know that in um, the space station, you're not actually weightless. It's just you're falling that far. You're, yeah, you're constantly falling, constantly missing the <gasps> Earth. Hate it. And just, oh, another good one is um, if you take two bits of metal that's the same and hit it together in space, it will fuse. Yes. It's fucking cool, isn't it? That's, that, that's in a non-atmosphere. So it's not just like gravity-free. It's like outside of a spaceship. If you do that, it'll happen. Right, yeah, of course. Sorry, that's what I meant. But yeah, I just, I could go on for hours. Like, I just, I would see, probably end up back at Aliens. See, I fucking love space. Space is amazing. It's incredible, mm. but it's such an inhospitable environment. Like, humans were definitely not supposed to go into space. Like, I can understand, like, the building of a car, it's fine. Everything in space wants to kill you. There is nothing yeah, inviting. But that's, that's the same with Australia. People still go oh, there. Well, yeah, then that's, that is true. <laughs> but I might not choose to go there either. <laughs> I'd rather go Australia in the space. Ah, space is mint, man. You'll, you'll go meet some aliens. Well, yeah, perhaps. But you then, go- I mean, then, I mean, astronauts must already know aliens. There's a, he- there's, there's a great bit on Fraser where he has uh, John Glenn as a guest on his radio show. And he just, there's like chaos going in the background. John Glenn just like left to talk on the microphone. And he starts talking about the things we saw on the moon and the, <laughs> and the things that the, the government, um, the, the, the government closed us up. And, uh, and yeah, very funny. I love that, that. I love that they have a sense of humor about that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but no, space but then, is, oh, space God, is, is man. Do you, do you not want to go and like Captain Kirk your way through the universe and sleep with all the green aliens? No. Well, I mean, if we got that advanced, that. Uh, Explosive decompression was off the cards. If that wasn't an issue, <laughs> why don't you go land on <laughs> another planet? Maybe. Yeah, I mean that's not space, though, is it? That's another planet. Yeah, but you got to go through space to get there. Well, maybe not. In time, maybe we'll have just little wormholes on the Earth. I don't. No, nah, I've fucking talked about that in the book. I don't want fast travel in space. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you lose all concept about how big things are as well, and just no. What was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy say about space being big? Uh, yeah, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy says space is big, really big. You won't, you just won't believe how vastly, hugely, mind-bogglingly big it is. I mean, you may think it's a long way down the road to the chemist, but that's just peanuts <laughs> to space. <laughs> and the thing with space as well, it's just, it's. Humans are always trying to figure out, and we're making leaps and bounds in terms of getting further to, like taking pictures further and further away. But space is just incomprehensible to the human mind. Just like ants will never understand physics, humans are never going to understand what space truly is. It's so beyond what we can possibly know, so beyond our comprehension of things. We, we, we know nothing. We know nothing about anything. Also, yeah, also, we don't know anything about the depths of the oceans as well. So I wouldn't go down there yeah. either. I see, I see, I see. <laughs> haven't you got megalophobia and thalassophobia? Yeah, I was, I was comparing. Yeah, so Oodles and I, we're both afraid of space. We're both, we both have megalophobia. We both have thalassophobia. And we're both afraid of beans. <laughs> I, should, I should have sent you the TikTok I sent you the other day about the big bean. 
No, I saw yeah, it. I, <laughs> I think you sent it. Somebody sent that to me before, and I almost vomed. Oh god, I had dinner with someone the other day, Pig and they pee. they had their kid with them, who's two, and she was eating like just mayonnaise and baked beans with her hands opposite me. And, oh, that's horrible. You should probably cut that out because I like these friends, but still. Oh my god. <laughs> you like the friend and not like the child. I like the child, but please don't eat in front of me. God, especially not baked beans. So it just. I think what's. I, I just on what I'm just thinking. It, the thing that I think about when it comes to space is purely the fact that we can't be the only planet in the universe somewhere that has life like we have it. I'm not saying it's either as advanced as us or a million miles advanced. It's just we can't be the only planet that has some form of life on it. It, it just can't believe that. Well, no, the millions of planets out there. It's just incomprehensible that we're the only planet that managed to pull that off of course and if we are at this point in time we could like if we're observing it with a telescope we could be looking at some uh, like a planet that's millions and millions of years more advanced than what we can see just because of the way light travels through space and just uh, just like atoms are in just incredibly small we're made up of atoms what is space is so insanely huge like we we've got no idea whether it's a living thing itself you know we could just be like atoms floating around a giant space ball <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe we're just part of an alien's marble that's what well exactly men in black might have got it right so sorry to go off the deep end there, but that's a definite rabbit hole. You can't say that's not a rabbit hole. I was going to say it isn't going off the deep end. The definition for this episode. I think I did it well. <laughs> Vicky, what you got? Oh, this is the worst topic for me, man. I like YouTube is a classic example. I very rarely go on there. Um, I only use it for stuff like trailers or how to do something useful, helpful videos. So it's very, very rare for me to go into stuff like that. Rabbit holes. I don't have the time to spend doing that generally but the only thing i can think of that is even remotely similar or anything like it is that i've mentioned it before about um twitch having during the pandemic watching uh, like scratch bastard as i mentioned before um what he does for his show on there but through that um i also talked about jaguar's skills before yeah about his hip-hop time bomb and about how he decided to do a project during the pandemic um which involved doing a, a fantastic mix of like the best years of hip hop. And then during that mix of playing your favorite tracks that you expect to hear on there, you'll then break down the song and, and explain where the samples came from um, and what speed they're at and just how mind boggling it was that people from whichever country they were that created this music, how their minds worked in using these samples so cleverly and smartly. It's just that, that just blows my mind when you sort of discover how they got a tune together using quite basic equipment back in the 80s and 90s as well mm. to create those tracks. That fascinated me. And then from that, I then discovered that another hip-hop uh, DJ, DJ Premier, he's now done um, a YouTube series called So What's Up? And he, again, does the same thing. He gets all his classic tracks that he produced and has explained. He's still got all the old equipment behind him in the studio that he does his um, video from. And then he brings out the original um discs that he created the tracks on and he says yeah this is how we did it and he talks about all the famous artists i, I just love stuff like that just discovering from the music side mm. um 
how they produced the tracks and where it came from, what inspired that. So I find that kind of stuff fascinating. But um, the only other thing I could think of really was just emulation that I've discovered, uh, discussed before. Just I got into emulation because of my uh, PS Vita when I got one of those, and then uh, particularly when they were cheaper at the time, and a uh, PlayStation TV as well. And found out that you could hack them because I don't know. There's something about me being a bit of a retro head. I like my retro games. I like to kind of preserve them in some way or form because mm. um, I, I I don't have all of the old consoles. Bar maybe a PlayStation One's probably. Um, oh no, I still got my PlayStation One, my original Xbox, and there's a PlayStation Two, etc. But all the other previous, my SNES and all that kind of stuff, is all gone. And I'd like to one day sort of go through um, games with my daughter if she ever shows interest. And I like the fact that I can still now play these games at any time yeah. that I want to. And I think the emulation scene is just incredible. How you can use. Things like Vitas, you can hack um, DSs, stuff like that. Game Boys, you can use a Raspberry Pi, which I've also discovered through that kind of rabbit hole. Um, I've got a Pi um, 400 in front of me. that I've got a one terabyte SD card on there, and it's literally got 12,000 games of all of the Atari 2600 all the way through Spectrum, Commodore, SNES, you name it, all the way up to PlayStation 1 and Dreamcast, I think it's gone as far as at this point. Mm. And I just find that amazing how back in the day we used to, you know, just get blown away how great those games were. They were on such small memory. And now the fact that you could put it all on one disc yeah. and use that to, to play at your heart's content and load them up immediately as well. You don't have to sit there for ages trying to get these games to work. Um, the fact that the Xbox Series S and X um, are now great for emulating, especially the S, um, that can be set up to do emulation. So I just find that incredible and just the fact that there are people putting the heart and soul into these projects i guess um and showing you how to do it and they're not trying to make money out of it either um they do it because it, it's their passion mm, just the challenge they're, they're to trying it. to yeah and they're just finding different ways to do that and uh, i find that amazing um but yeah that is that was it really for me i i generally don't get too caught up in um the rabbit holes that you guys mentioned i just generally don't go on and don't get caught out the only thing I did find interesting when um, I started using Instagram, and you know when you start watching a video and then if you swipe, you get a load more videos yeah. of yeah. all weird random stuff. The creepy horror ones are quite interesting. <laughs> I've been down that Where hole. Where people go, oh, have you seen how creepy this is? This is weird. And then it will show something weird like Beyonce on stage, and then while she's singing, she pauses for one moment the devil appears in her features and, it, and they're going was she possessed in this performance and it's just like fuck off oh, I yeah, always get just... the one where it's like they call it MK Ultra, don't they they say oh Miley Cyrus had an MK which is supposed to be this like mind controlling yeah. drug or something and all she forgot her wo- yeah or she forgot her words so she's under the control of MK Ultra. Oh, <laughs> there was one recently where the Pope came out and did his usual thing in the Vatican and he waved and as he turned away to go back into the room, he just disappeared. Oh, that was interesting, going, oh. though. It did look like, a, to be fair, but it did it, look like a hologram. <laughs> it was just really funny, just the way the people going, oh, what happened? Is he still alive? You know, did they fake it? It's like, <laughs> come on. That definitely Seriously. did look weird, though. I saw that one. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of there's flickers on weird. and off, doesn't he? Yeah, there's weird, creepy stuff like that that uh, just makes me smile when I see it. And, um, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, yeah, I haven't got a lot to bring to the, that topic. I did struggle 
and especially since it was last minute as well, I really did not have the time to think too much about what I could bring to that one. But yeah, those are my uh, selections, I'm afraid. I think it is easy to fall down a rabbit hole without realising you've done it because the amount of times that you think you've been looking at your phone for five minutes and you look up and it's an hour and a half later and you just, you cannot remember what the fuck you've been reading. Like that's a a big rabbit hole that you've fallen down. You just have no knowledge. Like my, my thing recently has been, I've only just recently really discovered the joys of, the joys of uh, Reddit. My God. Yeah. There is some shit on there. Oh, yeah. Some awful I will sp- shit. Am I the Arsehole is my favourite, though. That's another <laughs> rabbit yeah. hole. Go- and especially, like, there's the best of Redditor updates as well, which is, it will start off with, am I the Arsehole? But then you'll have the updates that have come, like, subsequently. Brilliant. But the comments that people put in there, some people are just so funny. Yeah. Just brilliant. They're, I just think they're amazing, some of the, the quips that people throw in there I know. as well. I love the ones that people just are completely oblivious to the fact that they are the asshole. Love it. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's 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 it, 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 yeah. it, it's usually someone taking like a really tiny like relationship argument to the nth degree. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's normally always a relationship argument, but some of them are so fucking funny. Like, how can you actually be arguing about this kind of thing? <laughs> but again, it, it, it's the legitimacy of those things as well that I just find it difficult. I think it's more funny to read about them as opposed to thinking some of the stuff they post. Did that conversation really happen? Because it's just kind of like, yeah, I think you're just doing it for the the likes and stuff. It is a fun oh, quite, I mean, of fancy though. Yeah, some people will be doing it for the likes. Yeah. Right. If we we didn't have any feedback, did we? Do we have anything from Oodles? Uh, we do have something from Oodles. Yes. Uh, he says, hello team, sorry I can't be with you today, as per <laughs> usual, I went a little overboard last night in the pub and I've lost my voice. Hooray! When it comes <laughs> it's to like he's in the room. Like he's here. <laughs> when it comes to facts of life about rabbit holes, my favourite thing is the size <laughs> comparison of things ranging from buildings, planets and mountains and everything in between. If the video has a real chill vibe, back and track, I can watch them all day, which is a bit odd coming from someone with intense megalophobia but knowledge is indeed power, and it feeds me duck. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for Sting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, I only know one Yorkshire accent. I'm pretty sure that was Lancashire, to be fair. Um, <laughs> so Stig also wrote in. Um, it's Stiggy! <laughs> <laughs> I am, he's written a fucking essay. I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> uh, so he said... Hello, my ME crew and listeners. Usually we don't email in reviews while we're away, but as I want to see, went to see a certain new film this week, dear to biggies and gadgets hearts, I just had to email in. This week our brand new Everyman Cinema opened up and they were offering up free tickets and I thought it was only fair to take them up on their offer and snag myself a ticket for the latest in the Fast and Furious franchise, Fast X. The tenth film oh, in the yeah. hit saga sees Dom Toretto and his crew go up against Dante, the son of drug kingpin Reyes from Fast Five, Dante, played by Jason Momoa, is very angry at how Dom and Co. robbed his dad, killed him, and crumbled their empire. So spent the last ten years plotting the perfect revenge. Fast ten years plotting the revenge. <laughs> Fast ten your seatbelts, folks, because this film will go from <laughs> 0 to 100 on an instant. It's absolutely insane and doesn't let up throughout the the whole. Doesn't let up throughout the out hole. The out hole, you arsehole. If you thought five to nine were mental, you ain't seen nothing yet. However, this one is actually a lot more fun than the last two outings. Yes, the po-faced family drama shite is boring and dull, but the action is so ludicrous. See what I did there? 
that it's actually rather fun. I can't say this is grounded at all, but it does feel slightly more grounded than 8 and 9 were, and that's to its advantage. So whilst it's still absolutely batshit insane and convoluted, it feels plausible. Well, apart from the Rome attack that ends with zero deaths, fuck right off with that. Jason Momoa is the best thing in the whole Fast franchise. He's having an absolute amazing time and is so fucking fun to watch. He's 100% channeling the Joker and is so much fun. He's what elevates the movie from a two-star to a three-star. He's so much fun in a completely different film to Vin Diesel. Other newcomers, Brie Larson and Alan Richson, best known as Jack Reacher, are well in on the campness, whilst offering nothing but groundbreaking. Are, and whilst offering nothing groundbreaking, are pretty fun to watch. And the continued absence of Brian still baffles me. I get that Paul Walker is dead, but the way they sideline his character once again makes zero sense. This film's plot actually has the perfect opportunity to kill him off and really cut to the heart of Dom, but instead Brian is just constantly hiding away while he put while he puts his wife in harm's way. It makes no sense. Anyway, outside that, Fast X is worth your t- is Fast X worth your time at the cinema? Not really, and I would actually <laughs> advise Big and Gadget to wait till home streaming. But did I have an absolute blast with this film? Absolutely. I was laughing and shaking my head along with the action, but in a good way. It's the fifth best in the franchise and a lot of fun, albeit absolute bullshit fun, but fun nonetheless. And I'll leave you with one last thing. This one might make you angry, Candy. Uh-oh. Jason Momoa is the greatest bad guy in film since Heath Ledger's Joker. Wow. Mm, strong words. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a film or anything, really, where Jason Momoa has, isn't having an, a whale of a time. He's just a f- fun, big, boisterous puppy, isn't he? In every yeah. He does. Uh, he, he, Even the courtroom. He does, he does tend to approach things with a very much a, I'm lucky to do this, let's have, let's have some whiskey and have some fun with it. Mm-hmm. Like I assumed all the way through Justice League, he was pissed. Oh, I would think so. <laughs> what a guy! Listening to Slayer. I know you just want to lie on his chest. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like him in uh, Dune? What's that? He's, he is in Dune. Yeah. He's, 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 he's beardless in Dune, though. It's a, it's it's a, it's a little bit strange. Loses yeah, some of the appeal. It does a little bit. Yeah, he loses his power. He said, like, "Oh, is that your chin?" Mm. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Right, no, that's we, it. Didn't, we didn't ask for audience feedback this week. No, no. we don't care. We do. That's <laughs> it then. <laughs> that's the show. As always, links to our extracurricular activities can be found in our show notes. If you are a free listener, that's it for you, I'm afraid. If you are a patron, you can meet us in the green room in a couple of minutes. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.